Welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the readings that are assigned in the Lutheran Church for this coming Sunday, Reformation Sunday, celebrates the renewal of the church, a time for the church to celebrate ways in which God is reforming us, shaping us into new people. We celebrate that, especially in the Lutheran Church, as we remember the Protestant Reformation, but really focus on all the ways God is always reforming God's people and gatherings of God's people. We'll hear from the prophet Jeremiah crying out for God's presence in the people's lives. We'll hear some more words from 2 Timothy about encouragement for this young apostle, this young person sharing the gospel. And then we'll hear a parable about two different ways that people might pray and how Jesus feels about them. Great to have you with us. My name is Pastor Lois Palmeyer. I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. And I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. We are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul. And for these next few minutes, we're going to be talking about some of the ways God is revealed to us in Scripture, the ways that we hear that in church. And we hope that we have some time to prepare for worship this coming Sunday by looking at the readings dwelling with the readings for a little bit longer. We find that it's really helpful for us to take some time to read and think about what's involved in these readings, even before we first hear them on Sunday morning when we gather with all of you or for one of us when we sit down to work on the sermon. In this second season of our podcast, one of the fun things we've been doing is inviting a special guest to join us for our conversation each week. And this week, our guest is Kirsten Schwartz, who's our children's ministry director at Gloria Day. Welcome, Kirsten. We're glad you're with us. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Minneapolis, right near Lake Harriet, and I still have dreams about growing up there. It was just a great place to grow up. And I then went to Gustavus. Go, go, go Gusties. Go Should Gusties. We, the, we could do the rouser. Gusties will shine. Light. <laughs> that's okay. You don't, I don't think that's necessary. Oh, okay. I think she, we can edit that Pastor out. Pastor Lois oh. went to St. Olaf, so she doesn't oh, like when no. we do the Gusty rouser. Beat him, bust him. Okay. Well, <laughs> go Ohio University. Oh, man. Everyone wishes. They, I know. Right? They're okay. just jealous. Yeah. We know. So I went to Gustavus, which was great because I... Um, Met my husband there, Keith, and so we ended up getting married a few years later, and now we live in Invergrove Heights, and we have two kids. Gus is five, and he just started pre-kindergarten yesterday. Wow. Big day. He was feeling shy, but he worked right through it. Good for him. And then Lila is one, and she is walking and super funny, and sometimes wakes up at night still, like last night, but... Mm. I still love her. Good. <laughs> good. That's really that's, good. That's important for a month. So yes. tell us tell us what you do at Gloria Day. I work with the children, and so I do Sunday school for three-year-olds through sixth grade. We have Java with Junior, which is birth through three-year-old. I really get to help to coordinate all of those things and work with the families and partner with them as they are on this faith journey with their children. And those of us who were part of Vacation Bible School this year might remember you as 
Savannah yeah. the short-necked giraffe. I mean, I don't know if I ever have said officially that that was me. I oh, just right. know the kids oh. The kids do know we have the same shoes. All right. So right. if your parents who are listening, be careful. It's like Santa Claus. We need a little yeah. warning before you listen to this <laughs> right. podcast. It may contain information that's disturbing to your children. <laughs> right. Well, our first reading for today is from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 14, and it's two little sections, 7 through 10, and then skips to 19 through 22. Although our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your namesake. Our apostasies indeed are many, and we have sinned against you. O hope of Israel, its Savior in time of trouble, why should you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler turning aside for the night? Why should you be like someone confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot give help? Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not forsake us. Thus says the Lord concerning this people. Truly they have loved to wander. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. Have you completely rejected Judah? Does your heart loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? We look for peace, but find no good. A time of healing, but there is terror instead. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, the iniquity of our ancestors, for we have sinned against you. Do not spurn us for your namesake. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. Can any idols of the nations bring rain or can the heavens give showers? Is it not you, O Lord our God? We set our hope on you, for it is you who do all this. What makes me feel kind of uncomfortable is when... Uh, it says, so, thus says the Lord concerning this people, truly they have lo- loved to wander, they have not restrained their feet. And then it says, therefore the Lord does not accept them, now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. So the whole, it's this is almost like a dialogue, right? right. It's like back and forth. So it's the Israelites asking God, kind of telling God, they're confessing, right? Well, they're in a way they're like reminding God who God is. You're this, you're this, you're this. And saying, and we're called by your name. Yeah. So in other words, like if we suffer, the whole world is going to see that the people who bear your name are suffering. Are suffering. Right, right. Do you this really is, want right. your people to be known as the people who suffer? Right. This you is going to look bad for you. It's going to look bad more for you than for us. Right. But then Kirsten points out God's response is, Mm-mm, you have wandered and therefore I don't accept you. Right. Right. And then they then they come back again. Have you completely rejected us? Remember your covenant. And Where are we going to get rain? If we can't get rain from rocks, you're going to have to rain for right. us. So you're... And I think it's ironic that the people are saying, remember your covenant with us, God. And God's like, yeah, I do remember it. And you broke it. Yeah. So therefore, I reject. And it sort of leaves us wondering, like, so does God reject them completely? Like, is that... 
we don't really hear the, the end. end. Yeah. Well, I think maybe it's important to remember a little bit of the context of this reading is that Jeremiah is writing to people who've lost everything. Jeremiah is writing to the Israelites. He's he's the prophet who has witnessed the downfall of Jerusalem and he kind of bridges the final days of Jerusalem and the beginning of the exile. So Jerusalem is destroyed by the Babylonians and the people are carried off in exile and the city is destroyed. When I always think about it, it's not so much even that God sets these punishments into motion, but that these are consequences of the things they've done, that the kings before this time have tried to make all these alliances with all these different nations around them. The prophets were saying, just trust God, trust God, go back to the basics, come back to to God. That's where your future is. But they don't believe that. So they're doing all these things. So they they get what happens to you when you try to pit one big empire against another. They get they get squeezed. Well and I was thinking about the a modern parallel of sort of like unbridled capitalism. Like everything that's going on in the world right now, it's what happens when we allow the wealthy to get really, 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 really wealthy and don't care at all for the poorest. And so we have these huge wealth gaps right now. Um, and it's no wonder that the world is in chaos. Like this is this is kind of what we get for allowing that to play out the way it has. And maybe if we had behaved differently along the way, we wouldn't be in a world that's as chaotic as it is right now. And again, I think it's helpful to read the entire book of Jeremiah in order to understand the full picture, because there's also this really beautiful verse in Jeremiah where God says, I will take your heart of stone and I will place within you a new heart and you will be my people, and I will be your God. So there's also that powerful message that Jeremiah speaks to the people. This isn't the last word. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a piece where they're really struggling with sinfulness. Maybe that's a hopeful place for us to end this one, and we'll come back in a few minutes. Welcome back. The second reading for Sunday is 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 18. And again, this is Paul writing to his friend Timothy. Paul says, As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, 
No one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. My question kind of comes after I've read the uh, verses from Luke. And I started reading this one again, and I felt like, isn't isn't Paul, this might be unpopular, but isn't Paul kind of saying a little, like he gets ahead of himself, you know, oh, well, I ran this really good race. I fought the really good fight. So, and I kept the faith. So I'm deserving of this righteous crown, you know, that um, God will give me. And so that kind of just, it, it ended up sitting weird with me mm-hmm. yeah. having read the verses from Luke. Where we're not supposed to be too braggy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that Paul himself is in prison when he's writing this. Right. And uh, Timothy has been showing some signs of like fear or trepidation. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can really be faithful with all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. And then he looks at Paul and thinks, and you end up in prison. So I'm not sure I'm in. And Paul's saying, this is a good fight. This is a good fight. First of all, you have everything that you need. And I'm promising you, it's all worth it. There's a sense of even if you pour your whole life like a libation, this this like yes. offering, you pour this something with liquid on the ground and say you poured out your wine or your milk in some places. It, it's as if your life is poured out and it's so rich and good. It sounds completely crazy to us to think, I don't want to pour my life out and find that's it. Right. And Paul says, that isn't it. There's a crown for you. It's so good. So don't worry about the suffering that you will endure, that I'm enduring. It's totally worth it in the in the long run. When I was listening to it this time, I heard it almost as the kind of deathbed thing we all want to say that when it all comes to the end to be able to say, you know, I did what I knew to do. I tried my best. Um, Some of it worked. Some of it didn't work. And now, God, I'm just putting – I'm putting this in your hands and I'm looking back over my life with a sense of grace too. Um, yeah, I felt sometimes like I was just being poured out and it felt like a fight and which to me says there were times when it felt like it wasn't going very well or that uh, Paul believed he wasn't doing it right. But in the end, to look back over our lives and be able to do that gracefully mm-hmm. rather than regret our mistakes or the really terrible things that we did or said, God's not going to look at those. God's going to look at our our best attempts to be ourselves, and which is really all we can ever do. What's really amazing about it, too, is it's not just that it's his kind of deathbed reflections, you know, like imagining like a quiet, peaceful hospice room or something. And, hmm. you know, he's just having this moment of reflecting, but he's actually in prison. He's seen his ministry met with opposition and it's been really hard. And by all accounts, it hasn't really been 
well, maybe it has been, maybe not by all accounts it's been unsuccessful, but at least from his perspective, now he's in prison and it's got to have felt sort of like, was this worth it? All right. We, we know that uh, Christianity eventually took over an empire, took right. over the Roman Empire, but he doesn't know that. Right. He just... You know, knows there's there's a few people in Rome who believed, and that's about it. And he's been writing letters to all these churches that he founded that were kind of going off the rails. <laughs> right. So he must be wondering, like, man, was any of this worth it? Did any of it even work? And is it mm. now I'm in prison and I'm about to be done? Kirsten, if you were going to take this passage mm. to one of the classes in the water tower how would you how would you summarize this message for children the water tower is our first through fourth grade classrooms right right yeah yes i think that the really like the good takeaway I, for children to be thinking about is how they live their life and what actions they're doing today and towards other people and how they treat themselves and how they treat the world is really important because that they're as they grow older they'll continue to reflect back on that and to think about what they're doing today is important. And there's something about the Christian life that's countercultural. Um, and so when we're teaching our kids about the faith, we're also teaching them to live in such a way that, the rest of the world is going to tell them that they're crazy, which is what Paul and Timothy are experiencing, sure. which is what Bradley preached in a recent sermon, right? That the world is going to think this is crazy. And um, and so I think there's something about – I think you're right, Kirsten. Like we need to help our kids think about like what does it mean to live in relation to one another and to all creation as a Christian? Um, it's something really different from what – the rest of the world is going to teach them. It's not about being the the best or the strongest or the fastest. It's about being the the servant, the the caring one, the one who's watching out for other people, including other people, um, bringing comfort and joy to people who are hurting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good for all of us. Let's take a break there, and we'll come back with our last reading. Welcome back. Our gospel reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, 
Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now I'm thinking that apparently there is a rating system for sins. And, you know, like in a scale of one to 10, self-righteousness is, has to be like an 11 or... <laughs> yeah, the Pharisee doesn't come off very right? well here. No. No. So, but why is what he is saying so much worse than what the tax collector has done? Well, there's something about each of their posture. Mm-hmm. So they, they each have, they're each living a certain way. The Pharisee, supposedly very righteous, and the mm-hmm. tax collector exploiting other people and taking their money. And um, and it seems like maybe what I'm hearing here is Jesus is less concerned about all of that than about how they reflect on their actions and present themselves and think of themselves before God. Well, it's almost like the Pharisee really doesn't even need God because... Mm-hmm. He's checked all the boxes. He's done, you know, X, Y, everything that the law has required. He's he's done. He's the he's the the guy who goes to church every Sunday and teaches Sunday school and you know gives helps out, uh, gives helps out for pledges the every year. All the stuff that all of us are called to do, but the tax collector, um, he is aware that he needs something beyond what he can do. Um, this is, of course, the great – I mean, this is this is a great text for Reformation Sunday because this is the Lutheran word, is that um, the tax collector knows that he need, needs God. There isn't anything that he can do on his own, even if he does follow all the, the commands, it still is not enough. He, he needs God. And the Pharisee, it's not just that he doesn't need God. It's actually he puts himself in the place of God by deciding the tax collector is a rotten person and f- feels it's his place to pass judgment on others. I love the way sometimes we turn this text around too and we use this to judge the self-righteous people, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. like yeah, all, right. the, all the Christians who are so judgy and thanks be to God, we are not like them. Yes. We are true, humble Christians because right. we're not judging anybody. We're so great because we know that we need God. Yeah, right, right. 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 And I think yeah. anytime – that's the conclusion is that you're dividing the world between, you know, those who are faithful and those who aren't. We're under judgment already from this parable. We are the Pharisee We've in the parable. Ourselves. Yes. Which maybe brings it back to your first question. Like what's why is the what's the difference between the tax tax collector and the Pharisee? It's not so much what they've done. It's what they believe about themselves and about others. And about others, which gets us back to that question you had about the earlier reading. Right. Isn't Paul just doing that bragging thing? And and I would say Paul recognizes his relationship with God as being one of pouring himself out, whereas yeah. the Pharisee was trying to say, I can puff myself up. I don't, I'm not pouring myself out. I'm just doing everything the right way. And again, the sense of... Where are we in relationship to God is that we are dependent on God and pour our lives out in, in 
love and mercy the way God does. Well, and it may, maybe it's helpful, too, to say about this text that this is not necessarily calling us to um, beat ourselves up, too, you know, to say, I'm not good enough, I'm just bad, I'm I'm terrible, mm-hmm. um, that somehow that's of value, and um, which I think cultures and religious traditions have placed that on marginal people. You know, you should feel really bad about about yourself. That's your appropriate attitude is to remember how much of a sinner you are. I think that's a misunderstanding of this text. At the same time, anytime we decide who deserves something or who doesn't deserve something, we're acting like the Pharisee, the one who's deciding we're, we're passing judgment on others and deciding. So thinking about immigration now or just taking that as an issue, we decide these people don't deserve. They don't deserve citizenship. They don't deserve to be here. That's based on some sort of judgment we're making about them. And I think the point of this parable is that we're not the ones that get to do that. We're the ones who just throw ourselves into God's mercy and trust that we're loved. And that we we throw ourselves into the mercy of, you know, of God for ourselves, but also for others. Right. You know, I, you know, remembering that all of us are in that place where Jeremiah was reminding us to be just recognizing God is God and that we are uh, dependent on God's love and mercy and care for care for us and care for others. Right. This is one of those ancient classic prayers that people often prayed over and over again. God be merciful to me, a sinner. You could use prayer beads and say that over and over again. And I think the point wasn't that you just get beat down and beat down each time you say that, but that each time you're drawn more deeply into the mercy and to the love of God, that that's the point of that prayer. We hear the sinner. I'm so part. despicable. Right, I'm so right, terrible, right. terrible. But the point is mercy, God's mercy, God's love. I remember learning this as as you breathe in, you pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And as you exhale, you say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that you sort of incorporate this into your breathing and it can be kind of a meditative practice. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's end our time together with that. We encourage you to pray that prayer for a while today and see how it shapes your life. We're always interested in hearing what you think about all of this. Drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We want to thank Kirsten Schwartz for being our special guest today and for bringing your perspective and your ministry to Gloria Day. We're so glad to have you on our staff, but also glad for your presence here today. Thank you to Paul Friesen-Carper for providing the music for us and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcast for producing these podcasts for us. We hope that you'll join us in worship every Sunday at either 815 or 1045 for their Sunday school for people of all ages at 930 each morning, each Sunday morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you. God loves you and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.